Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play and put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup it doesn't matter if you are on yahoo and your opponent is on sleeper you can import your teams to flex fantasy to face off you can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own so sign up for a free account and download the app and try it out at flex.fan this is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Woo! One quarter of football is in the books, and it's time to look ahead to week five. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe so you can always catch all of our content. You can also check us out on BillyUp.TV. If you miss an episode, that's fine. Just download the Foxy Network app on your Roku, LG, Samsung, or Amazon Fire TV devices and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category or just simply stay up to date with the show while you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. We're widely available. Give us a five-star review. It helps us help you. Help me help you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Brian Scott, like we are every Wednesday and Thursday, to kick this thing off with some injury inquiries. But we got our producer, Danielle, back. The intern, Danielle, is back. 
Love having her back. And I just said, it was like, it feels like it's been forever since I've seen her. I need her to help keep me in check and help me out with the mailbag segment later on today. What are we talk about today, Danielle? Today, we are talking about Look Ahead Wednesday. Love it. It's the first half. First half fantasy football preview of week five. We'll be seeing Danielle a little bit later on. Don't you guys worry about that. All right, Brian, let's go ahead and hit that injury inquiries button. Injury inquiries. Oh, oh, I can't waste any time because we got a laundry list of injuries to talk about on this Wednesday. So let's kick it off with the Thursday night game. Jonathan Taylor gets officially ruled out. I'm glad that he did. I'm glad they didn't make this all go all the way into Thursday. I was trying, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around why he was even questionable to begin with, but What's your take on the Jonathan Taylor injury of it all? Anyway, because when we left Sunday, we thought it was a high ankle sprain. Yeah, um, it sounds like it's probably not a high ankle sprain, but pretty significant low ankle sprain, which nonetheless is going to take several weeks before he's back to 100%. Um, given the longer time off they'll have between games now that they've got a Thursday night game tomorrow, uh, should help them. Uh, but this is one of those things, you know, it's going to be kind of day by day, week by week, uh, depending on how the significant a sprain it is. And it sounds like it's pretty significant. Uh, first thing you got to do is get the swelling under control, get him off it for a little bit or protected weight bearing, and then, you know, get him started on a rehab program right away. So it's going to be one of those things heading into next weekend. That's going to be kind of day by day. Uh, and I, I wouldn't expect him to be doing much as far as practice goes. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's essentially ruled out for next week off the bat. So we'll have to kind of see. Hope, and that's look, that is the best news. And I, I posted this out on social media at Billy MDFF show early in the week. It's the best news if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner that you could possibly have. And we'll talk about the cold situation, what to expect heading into Thursday night later on in the show. And let's just get some comments about Javante Williams. What about this ACL injury we're using? What is an expected timeline for him? Will he be back at the beginning of next year? Uh, not likely. It looks like he's going to be out at least probably a year, maybe even longer. Along with his ACL, he has what's called a posterior lateral corner injury, um, which is often associated with ACL injuries. It just makes the rehab a little bit longer. It's more uh, de- de- detailed, intricate type of reconstruction. And very important that they notice that right off the bat because failure to notice that posterior lateral corner injury can lead to uh, higher rates of re-rupture. So it's something that needs to be addressed intraoperatively, and it does uh, slightly prolong the rehab. And for that reason, I think he'll probably be at least a year, if not more. It's just really tough news. I mean, obviously, if you draft him or redraft, you're without him for the whole year, and and that sucks, of course. But it also sucks from dynasty standpoint perspective because now if he's not ready to go by the beginning of next year, it means the Broncos are probably going to bring somebody in. I don't think they'll bring Melvin Gordon back, but never say never. It just it's going to murk it up for another year on top of a for a guy that. We're just expecting to be a, a legit star whenever he's able to get the opportunity, but now that's going to get delayed. So just a shame to see that there, but I hope he does come back stronger than ever. Okay, Brian, this is your team, so I'm going to let you kind of rant a little bit while you talk about these injuries. Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Tony, both actually had a limited participant in practice today. What are you thinking with these two? Uh, optimistic, uh, actually. I'm very optimistic. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, in particular, they talked that he sounds like he's going to be ready. Um, nursing a little hamstring injury. Didn't sound like it was too severe, but uh, they gave him a week uh, or two, I think, to, to kind of rest it and let him get healthy. Uh, 
still not really sure about what uh, Robinson's knee injury was, but again, young player right out of the gates. Uh, you know, it sounds optimistic that he's going to get in there as well. And I think with Daniel Jones being banged up a little bit with an ankle sprain as well, and then Tyrod Taylor having a concussion, they're going to need these guys in there. So I think they're going to really push to get them in the lineup. Well, they're going to need these guys regardless because I don't. They, I mean, they have no weapons left anyway. But we'll get into all of that later on. I mean, Brian, I know you're an injury expert, not necessarily a fantasy expert, but you do play fantasy football. Uh, are you rostering any one of these guys? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I do have uh, Robinson on on my bench in one of my leagues, um, but I am not starting him. I like it. I like it. How about Isaiah McKenzie? He's got a concussion. Didn't practice today. There were some conflicting reports on that. So earlier, it sounded like he was expected to go in a limited fashion. Turned out he didn't practice. But there was also some people talking that he was on the sidelines, seen laughing, maybe not feeling too bad, not too symptomatic. I don't know. But what do you think about Isaiah McKenzie and his chances? I mean, until he actually gets out there and does any type of physical exertion, um, it's not likely that he's going to be playing. Part of the concussion protocol requires that they have to do some type of strenuous activity, and that doesn't necessarily mean contact. That can just be um, some type of a exercise. Um, a good example would be Hunter Renfro, who's just came back to practice, but he's doing non-contact stuff only, and he's been out for several weeks with under the concussion protocol. So there is a stepwise fashion to it, but part of getting back on the field full practice and game ready is having to do something physical on the field. So. The fact that he's on the sideline tells me he's not progressing through the protocol as of yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's something we have to watch. And, and one of the reasons McKenzie is so intriguing this week is one, that he's been productive, but two, James Crowder, his, his slot clatter point is now going to probably be out for the season. I would imagine or with a fractured ankle. Yeah, that's um, what they're saying. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what type of fracture it is. I haven't seen any reports, but I'm guessing he's going to end up having surgery, which is going to put him out at least six to eight weeks just to heal. And then you're probably looking at a few more weeks of, you know, rehabbing. Um, I, I don't know. I think he was actually placed on IR today. So he's going to be out minimum four. But with the fracture, it's at least probably six to eight. So even though he's on IR, I don't expect him to be released um, out of IR after that four week mark. So. Uh, his season is likely done. I just hope for his sake, he doesn't wind up ending his career on this note, which is possible with a player of his age. Uh, let's talk about Keenan Allen. So it looked like he might suit up week four. Then he winds up re-aggravating the hamstring and on Thursday, doesn't practice on Friday, doesn't practice today. So what do you think about with Keenan Allen? Yeah, not good. Uh, this is this is like a classic uh, hamstring injury picture here. You know, you feel good. You start doing a little bit in rehab, and then you start trying to get back on the field in a limited fashion, and then you realize really quickly, like, you're not right still. And that's what happened to him last Friday. He started practice on a limited fashion and, and removed himself mid-practice. And my guess is he wasn't feeling it. He probably felt a twinge or had some pain still there and didn't feel like he could push through it which is usually the best route to do because you aggravate this and make it worse. Then you just prolong everything. So it doesn't sound optimistic that he's going to be ready this week either. No, it does not. The payment with Keenan Allen, like he's 30 years old. So yeah, things are going to take a little bit longer to probably heal at this point. But I will say this, keep holding on to him because once he comes back, he's definitely going to be the number one target of Justin Herbert. He misses his Keenan Allen out there. And that's very obvious with the way the offense is running. What about David Montgomery, his ankle, 
you know, last week, listed day to day, but never practiced, didn't practice again today. Do you think he suits up or we we put in Cleo Herbert this week? I, I would keep Cleo Herbert uh, very close. Uh, I don't think he's going to be ready. I mean, uh, these ankle sprains can sometimes take a while, and his was a pretty significant one. It was a low ankle sprain, but, um, you know, sounded like it was going to be enough to keep him on the shelf possibly for a couple of weeks. I'm not surprised that he, if he doesn't play, and the fact that he's not yet suited up in practice tells me he's probably still dealing with some issues and not ready. I'm going to lump these next two guys together, DeAndre Swift and St. Brown. The Lions do have a bye week next week. So do we think there's any real reason for them to push these guys? Uh, so definitely, I don't think there's any reason for them to push DeAndre Swift. And um, I had mentioned that the first time we put him on the injury list here and discussed him um, thinking that he, they might want to wait, given he's got two kind of body parts he's really dealing with. He's been pretty banged up since the year started and did play through uh, his ankle injury when he when it happened. Um, Amon uh, St. Brown, I, I think might actually have a better chance of getting back in there. He's a young player, first year in the league, uh, didn't miss much time in college, sounded like the ankle injury wasn't too bad, actually played through it. And then only after the game did they kind of realize like, okay, this is probably more significant than we thought. Um, and let's sit him out. So I think he might actually have a better chance to suit up than DeAndre Swift. I think given DeAndre Swift's importance to the overall team, they're probably going to keep him out till after the bye. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, but let's keep our eyes peeled and keep, you know, make sure you're following us on social media at Billy of MDFM show because we'll keep you up to date on the St. Brown news. What about the uh, the seemingly miracle that is Mac Jones? who got a limited session in today at practice with a, well, they're talking about surgery for his high ankle sprain. Now know, all of a sudden but... he's like trying to play this week. Uh, yeah, very surprising. Uh, the whole, the whole, the way the whole thing's kind of played out here. But uh, I, I think, um, and I forget his name, uh, Hoyer uh, got a concussion this past weekend, which now kind of speeds up the necessity of getting Mac Jones back out there even, even more. Um, but yeah, they're initially they were reporting a pretty severe, and I use that in quotes because that's what was quoted as uh, the, the the organization saying that he had a severe high ankle sprain, and they were contemplating surgery for it. And you know, I was like, go for it, dude, if that's what they're saying. And then here we are, a couple, not even two weeks later, and he's already uh, back practicing limited today. Um, so it, it sounds like they're trying to get him out there. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, given the way things have turned out, if he does get out there. Although I, I'm, I'm not sure you're going to see uh, Mac Jones be uh, anywhere near mobile what he normally is, and he's not that mobile to begin with. So that could <laughs> severely uh, hamper his performance. Well, I mean, that could work two ways. I mean, he doesn't necessarily need his mobility to be a good quarterback. I will be curious about this, though. Does he have the ability to actually take a ball from under center and turn around, give it off to the running back and drop back? Or are we just going to see a ton of shotgun if he is out there? Something to kind of keep your eyes on, depending upon how bad it is and if he's actually going to play. All right, let's talk about the Saints because they're a mess. Winston, back issue. Kamara, ribs. Thomas still has the toe injury. Kamara, though, did return to practice today. Yeah, and I and I and they're they're pretty confident, uh, and he's pretty confident that he's going to suit up this weekend, and I think he will. He he historically has not missed uh, much time with any injury that he's had throughout his career. Um, it sounded like they were just being more cautious than anything with those ribs. He was probably pretty sore and tender, and they didn't want to rush him over to London and have a limited practice time before that week, uh, this past weekend. So I I think he will suit up. Doesn't sound like though. Winston's going to be uh, suiting up. Uh, he was held out of practice again today, and the head coach was, you know, kind of talking about how they're going to look at his uh, health and safety first. And you know, he's continuing to receive treatments, uh, so it didn't sound too promising that uh, Winston's going to be out there. And Thomas too, man, it, did, it didn't sound too pra- promising that he's going to actually be out there. Uh, they're still talking about some toe issue. He didn't practice again today. Um, you know, he wasn't pra- didn't play in London also, so 
Uh, not really sure the extent of that injury. There was talk last week that he was going to have some additional testing done. Never heard anything really about that after that. So not quite sure what he's dealing with. Could be a little turf toe injury. Um, and those sometimes take a while to get better. So they might be nursing that, which which could be problematic uh, for the long run. It will be interesting to see, but I know all the people in the West Coast right now are like, yeah, well, Ava Kamara was supposed to play last week, and we all got screwed because <laughs> of the London game. Look, I, I understand. I feel your pain. I know I'm on the East Coast, and it's it was 930 here, but it was it was still early for me to have to wake up and change around some of my lineups, too. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Maybe not as bad as your plight, but I felt your pain nonetheless. And our last but not least injury, of course, Tua. Now, what do you think is going to happen here? They already rolled him out. Are they just going to roll him out until, I don't know, investigations are over because it's just such a bad optics? Or do you think he's going to be back before that? Well, y- yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, on two both fronts. I think he's going to be back probably sooner rather than later, but I don't think it's going to be uh, this weekend, obviously. And I, 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 I kind of knew that <laughs> from the beginning because there's no way they're going to throw him back out there uh, a day or two after they come out with this report, which supposedly is going to be done before tomorrow night's game. Because... Right because they're already talking that they're going to be making adjustments to the concussion protocol based on this report. And the plan is to get it done and completed and the, and the change is made prior to Thursday night game. So that's like, you know, what, 24, not even 24 hours away. So, so, you know, I'm curious to see what they find. Uh, So far there's been one sacrificial lamb. This uh, unaffiliated uh, neuro consultant has been let go from his duties uh, with the NFL um, which, you know, we'll never hear from him probably, and we'll never know who that is or what he did, unfortunately, uh, you know, because the NFL is not going to be too transparent about that. So we'll see what they have to report from this investigation. In the meantime, really quick, I just want to mention it because I spouted off on social media about it. Cameron Bright got injured the other night, uh, Tampa Bay versus um, Kansas City in the Sunday night game. And there's been all kinds of controversy now that because they reported later that he had a concussion and a lot of people have, you know, all these uh, Monday morning concussion experts were saying how, oh, it was obvious, it was obvious, yada, yada, yada. And to be honest, I watched the replay. I, I saw everything they were talking about. And I, I think everything was handled appropriately. I mean, you don't always know you have a concussion right away. It's not always based purely on the mechanics of the hit. And he was able to get off the field and jogged quite quickly off the field to play under his own power. I didn't see any reason to think that he was concussed simply by watching the super slow-mo replay, which I had the advantage of at home. (laughs) Um, And so the guys started spewing off at the mouth about it. And I just wanted to say, like, I don't think the NFL did anything wrong or the medical staff did anything wrong. They actually did evaluate him. They did determine he had a concussion. The one thing that that, that was was wrong was he was ruled out of the reigning part of the game, but then was on the sideline. And technically, you're not supposed to be. If you're ruled out from concussion, he should have been back in the locker room. Um, uh, being monitored and undergoing testing still. So I don't know why they let him back out on the sideline. That was kind of silly. Uh, but other than that, I think they handled everything just fine. So everybody needs to just pump the brakes a little bit, slow down the concussion thing. Uh, there's been a lot more concussions that have happened throughout the course of these past five, four, four and a half weeks here than, than you would ever know um, based on watching a game on TV. Uh, I can tell you that from experience. Uh, you have no idea how many concussions probably occurred these last four weeks. Um, it's, it's, it's not always what you think it is. It's not always what you see with the naked eye and just let these professionals do their thing. They know what they're doing. Uh, don't jump to conclusions and let's wait for this report to come out and see what went wrong with the Tua situation. Right. And not everything is the Tua situation too. Let's keep that in mind, but this is why he's the expert. This is why Brian Scott, we love having him on Brian. What you got going on this week, man? Where can we all check you out at? 
Ah, well, uh, actually, guest hosted a buddy's show of mine last night, which was a, a first for me, um, called Devil's Advocate Sports Talk. It's actually on Facebook Live, and he does his show every Tuesday at 8 p.m., so you can watch last night's episode. I actually did not do any injury discussion whatsoever, so um, if you want to hear, I kind of just emceed mostly, but I did put in a little <laughs> bit of my uh, sports analysis uh, mind in there, but uh, otherwise, I just got my usual thing going. I am going to put out a new podcast episode discussing the Tua situation after we get this report out. So hopefully we'll be able to do that maybe Friday. If not, I'll do it first thing next week. And then you'll see me tomorrow here and you'll see me Sunday on TSS uh, at 8 a.m. doing last minute ones. And as always, you can find me on uh, Twitter at O's Brian Scott, uh, Facebook and Instagram, the injured list podcast and my website, the injuredlist.com. Love it. That's right. That's the injured list podcast. It's available everywhere. Make sure you guys go ahead and check that out, especially when he drops a new episode later this week. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to talk to you tomorrow night, man. Yep. My pleasure. All right. So yes, that's Brian Scott. Once again, at host Brian Scott on social media, make sure you give him a follow constantly giving us precious details that we need to be able to make proper decisions in our fantasy lineups. Now it's my turn. Now I, now I got to do my part to help you guys out to make your proper decisions. And let's see how we do by going off with the obvious starters for our first four matchups. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Our first four games up. We got the Colts against the Broncos, of course, in the Thursday night game. We got the London game. Yes, we have another London game this week. If you're on the West Coast, eh, maybe set your alarms for 6 o'clock just in case. It's the Giants and the Packers. It's the Steelers and Buffalo Bills. And then the Chargers and Cleveland. That will be the first four matches we talk about in this segment. And we have two obvious stars at the quarterback position. That would be Josh Allen. That would be Justin Herbert. I know things haven't been great or as great, I guess, as they were the first two weeks with Josh Allen through the air. That's the beauty of Josh Allen. Just tacks on 70 yards rushing, put, puts in a touchdown. No biggie, no harm, no foul. And that's why he's the number one quarterback. Justin Herbert, now this is where it's, it's a lot more positive, right? Last week, got some full practices in, came out, was fantastic. Looked like the rib injury wasn't bothering him. Either, either he's over it or he's being able to manage the pain a little bit better. Either way, Justin Herbert's back to being a top five quarterback. You have no fears there. All right, let's talk about our obvious starters at the running back position. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is there anyone better than Saquon Barkley is right now? Not from a volume standpoint. I can tell you at least that. I mean, Nick Chubb, who's also on this list, has just been dominating the end zone at an insane rate. But Saquon, man, he's the whole offense. He is the thoroughbred. The Giants are on his back. The whole reason they're 3-1 is because of Saquon Barkley. He is the Air Jordan of this team. He's the Air Jordan of your fantasy football lineups. And I just hope, I just hope for a lot of people, because I don't actually have a lot of shares of Saquon Barkley across my leagues, but I do hope for him, for you guys out there who, te- who took him, took the chance on him, that he stays healthy because you're getting great Barkley production that you're hoping to get out of him. And with the running back situation being as bad as it is throughout, to have this actually work out well, I'm just happy to see it, and I hope it continues. And then the other guy that's our last obvious starter for the running backs would be Austin Eckler. Finally, 
finally found the end zone last week, not just once, not just twice, but three times, once in the air, twice on the ground. The Chargers playing against the Cleveland Browns this week. Guess what? The Cleveland Browns, you can run on this team. You can't pass on them as well, but you can run on them. Look for Austin Eckler to continue getting back to being that top-level RB1 that you drafted him to be. My obvious starter of this matchup, or these groups, I should say, Stephon Diggs. Look, I don't expect there to be rain or storms this week. That was the only thing that held him back. Yes, Stephon Diggs all day, every day. And (laughs) this matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm looking for all the Buffalo receivers to go off. We'll talk more about that later on. I don't have any obvious starters to the tight end position for these teams. So let's go ahead and hit our lock them ins. Lock them in. It's a lock. So here's where things get a little more interesting. Russell Wilson playing in the Thursday night game. Look, I, I challenged him last week and he came through. I said, I'm going to rank you as my top 10 quarterback one more week against the Las Vegas Raiders. If you can't do it against Las Vegas, well, then you're going to be outside my top 12 for weeks to come. But he did it. He got three touchdowns. I still wasn't really thrilled with what I saw through the air necessarily. But he did enough where he come back this week and you have to continue to lock him in as a top 10 quarterback because when you start looking at the rest of the field, it's not real pretty once you get outside the top six, to be honest with you. So Russell Wilson still has to be fired up against the Colts this week on Thursday night as a top 10 play. Rodgers, now this is the guy I want to highlight in my lock him in. Look, he went from being a QB 21 or he's QB 21 overall, but over the last two weeks, he's been the QB 13. What's been the difference? Alan Lazard got healthy. Romeo Dobbs has been emerging. Rodgers, look, his days of getting like 300 yards and four touchdowns with this group of weapons is probably not going to happen very often, if maybe once or twice at most this season. But what he can do is that he can be a high-floor QB1. 250 yards, two touchdowns, somewhere in that nature, and that's going to be enough right now with the way the quarterbacks are going to be a top-10 play. And that's all you really drafted Aaron Rodgers to be. You knew you didn't have the same ceiling with Devontae Adams gone. But now you're getting that. And with weapons emerging around, things can get a little bit better. So I am locking in Aaron Rodgers, not just a top 10 quarterback this week, but finishing as a top 12 quarterback for the rest of the season. And something that's something I've changed on. because That's something I didn't have coming in the pre-draft process. I had him at QB 13. I also expected some better play out of other quarterbacks. And we'll wait to see if that actually happens. Let's go to our lock them in running backs. So I got to go off on a rant. On this one, I cannot believe what I'm hearing across the industry. And I'm going to, if I have to down this hill alone, fine. So be it. All I have heard all week long from my own people within the fantasy expert industry is how everyone's shaken about Melvin Gordon's usage. Oh, Javante's out. Oh, well, you know, we don't know. It might be a 50 50 split between Gordon and Mike Boone. And oh, no, Latavius Murray got signed to the practice squad. We got to be afraid of Latavius Murray now. What the hell are we talking about? Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, while it was definitely annoying that they were splitting as much as they were, Melvin Gordon is a hell of a lot closer in talent to a Javante Williams. That's the big difference. That's the key you're all missing. Mike Boone is just a guy. Latavius Murray is a dead fish in water. What are we talking about? Even the offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos came out earlier this week 
and said, Melvin Gordon, yeah, he's going to get a significant amount of work. He's the three-down bell cow guy. Will Mike Boone come in there to spell him? Absolutely. If he gets that kind of usage, Gordon, that is, will he get injured? Yeah, probably. So that's why I don't mind Mike Boone as a handcuff at some point this season because the Broncos might get real desperate at some point. But Mike Boone is not going to come in and assume the Melvin Gordon role while Melvin Gordon assumes the Javante Williams role. The talent gap is not there. I know everyone feels real burnt right now by Nathaniel Hackett, and he's an idiot. And I, So I understand the not wanting to trust what he's going to do and all that. I totally, I'm not going to argue that point. I, I understand. The talent gap is right there in front of you. It's going to be the Melvin Gordon show until it can't be. And he's already off the injury report. So fire up Melvin Gordon. I haven't quite finished my rankings yet. They will be done before tomorrow morning on bellyupfantasysports.com. But I guarantee you Melvin Gordon will at least be a top 15 play, if not in my top 12 heading into week five. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. So people have been kind of disappointed with A.J. Dillon, and I get it. I get it. He's not as explosive as Aaron Jones. So when he's splitting the touches the way that he is, if he doesn't find the end zone, he doesn't have the same upside. We knew that going into the season. Look at the running backs. Look at the list. Where are the guys at that are getting plus 15 touches a game on average? Where are they at? There's not many of them. And the fact that A.J. Dillon Dillon can do it while splitting time with Aaron Jones, yes, more times than not, He'll be in my top 24. At the very worst, he's an RB3 who should be in your flex plays. I am playing A.J. Dillon. I'm locking him in against the Giants, definitely. And no different Aaron Jones. I expect him to have a really good day, too. And that, that kind of brings me to Kareem Hunt. So Hunt kind of gets lumped into the A.J. Dillon conversation. People are disappointed about Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb has just been gobbling up touchdowns. I understand. Same point that I made about Dillon. How many guys are getting double-digit plus touches every single week? Kareem Hunt has. Look back to week one. He got in the end zone. He has a 20-point day. Those games will come. We know Kareem Hunt can get in the end zone. Nick Chubb won't be gobbling everything, getting two to three scores a week by himself. It'll get mixed in. You need to have Kareem Hunt in your lineups as a low-end RB2 or a high-end flex play at the very least. Do not waver on me now and get all, you know, like, oh, but he's not getting this. He's not getting that. He's a running back getting double-digit touches. That's more than you can ask for than a lot of these guys out here right now. On a good running offense, too, by the way. Let's get to our wide receivers. Court, uh, Courtland, yeah, start with Cortland Sutton. We saw last week Jerry Judy comes back. So Sutton, he's not the de facto get-everything target out there. It doesn't matter. This is why I love Cortland Sutton so much coming into the season. First of all, he's a stud. He's 100% healthy from that ACL injury he had two years ago, which has been great to see him getting back to him. And Russell Wilson and the Denver offense and Nathaniel Hackett can be as bad and as slow as they want to. That's not going to stop Cortland Sutton from getting his. Jerry Judy comes back, they both score. It doesn't matter. You're playing Cortland Sutton every single week as a high-end wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. Michael Pittman. So people are starting to panic on Michael Pittman a little bit, and you might want to see if you could buy him low. He's still the number one target in a Colts, Matt Ryan-led offense with no one else to throw the ball to. He still had two really big games, and one game he missed because of a quad injury. So because he had one dud game last week in a matchup that you're hoping for more, now all of a sudden everybody's like, well, what's the problem with Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan? What are we talking about? Michael Pittman is still one of the top targeted receivers in three-game span. I'm not worried about it. Yes, he's got a tough matchup here. 
but there's no reason to be wavering on Michael Pittman. And then that brings me to Mike Williams. So you heard Brian kind of talk about it. Unfortunately, we don't think Keenan Allen is going to play this week. Michael Williams is coming off of a big week last week. Can it go, you know, vice versa? Can he be the dud and Josh Palmer's the one who balls out? Yeah, absolutely. That's the risk you're running. But he's always going to have a boosted floor with Keenan Allen out. He's going to be a more than likely top 20, definitely a top 24 receiver when Keenan Allen is out. Is it a kind of a tough match because Cleveland Denzel Ward? Sure. Is he going to be in my lineup? 100%. Don't overthink this too much. I don't have any lock him in tight ends for these matchups, so let's hit our lookout for. Lookout for. All right. I don't need to look out for quarterbacks. We can skip ahead to the running backs and talk about the Colts a little bit. So, John Taylor's out. What do you do? Who do you play? Do you play anybody? Naeem Hines is definitely PPR and RB3. He's definitely a high-end flex. I think you can play him for sure in a full-point PPR league. Will he get the Jonathan Taylor carries? Most likely no. Although I will point this out. Last year, or maybe it was two years ago now, I'm, I'm not sure. But there was a game where Jonathan Taylor was gone. They had to bring Naeem Hines in on a Thursday night. They didn't have a lot of depth in the backfield. And he actually wound up with 20 carries that game. It has happened in the past. I'm not expecting to happen. I'm not saying this was going to happen now. But I do know this. The Colts are going to run a lot more shotgun to try to spread out Denver with no Jonathan Taylor. And that's going to lead to Naeem Hines catching the ball in the backfield at a pretty significant rate. He is a worthy flex play in PPR leagues. And I would say probably in half-point PPR leagues as well. Now, we're start talking about who's going to get the bulk of the work and how's this rotation going to work. We'll probably see a little bit of Philip Lindsay, maybe Deion Jackson. But ultimately, this is kind of the problem with Jonathan Taylor. There's not a one-for-one handcuff for like a season-long event. Now, thankfully, we know that Jonathan Taylor may only miss this week, and that's the good news there. But you're not going to get a one-for-one handcuff for Jonathan Taylor. Naeem Hines, though, is playable. Let's talk about Devin Singletary a little bit, because this guy is intriguing me right now. I want to buy low on this guy in as many leagues as I possibly can. Last two weeks, he had week three, 65 of the team's 91 snaps. Last week, he had 57 of the team's 63 snaps. It's no longer close between Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook what the rotation is. There is no rotation. Devin Singletary has taken over this backfield. What happened last year when he did this, when he got this kind of usage, he became an RB1. I'm not saying that it definitely happens this year again, but what I am saying is finally we recognize Zach Moss is a waste of space and we moved on from him, and they don't trust James Cook in the pass protection yet. And as a result, he's not playing that much. If Devin Singletary is going to be the whole workload back in this offense, I want pieces of Devin Singletary where I can swing it. So keep that in mind right now with what's going on with him. And I'm playing him as long as he continues to get this kind of usage, especially against a Pittsburgh defense that is terrible against the run without J.J. Watt. Or I'm sorry, T.J. Watt. Excuse me. Wrong Watt there. What about the wide receivers? Who are we looking out for there? Looking out for Jerry Judy. Now, he's still a wide receiver three. He doesn't quite have the upside, the big playness of a Cortland Sutton. He needs a little more volume. But Russell Wilson loves to get his two guys involved. And against the Colts, 
Stephon Gilmore might be on Cortland Sutton a lot more. That should open things up for Jerry Judy to have a pretty nice game. And uh, I'm sorry, we actually got a few comments coming in, so let's let's get to those real quick. We got Mark, uh, Devonta Smith or Romeo Dobbs this week? Good question. Tough question. I'm probably leaning towards Devonta Smith just because he's been so good in plus matchups, which is what this is against the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Uh, we might, you know, Byron Murphy might see a little bit more of AJ Brown. I think either way, you can't go wrong here. But the upside play would be Devonta Smith in this situation. Although I still like Romeo Dobbs, if you can fit him in somehow. Gets, should I do London, Chris Godwin for Chubb or Bateman slash Brown for Chubb? My wide receiver depth is good. Look, guys, try to make these trade questions a little more simpler for me when we're on the show. Just, you know, kind of streamline it for me. But Overall, he's like, should I do pretty much either London or Godwin for Chubb or Bateman slash AJ for Chubb? That's pretty much. He wants to get Chubb on his team. I can tell you this right now. You probably are not going to get Chubb for anything less than AJ Brown. So if you want to make this deal actually happen, he's going to have to be involved. I will say this too, though. If you have Saquon already back there, I might stand pat. I don't necessarily want to get rid of my wide receiver depth if I was you in that situation. I may look for cheaper buys that I can do one-on-one with one of those other guys out there. Here's a good question. Richard Hernandez, thoughts on Raheem Mostert. Love him this week. He's got a, he's got real big play potential against the Jets with Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm probably giving away some of my analysis for later on, but with Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position, they're likely going to lean on the run at least a little bit more. And with Raheem Mostert, that doesn't necessarily mean giving up on the big play, especially against the Jets. He's taking over that backfield. He's playing well ahead, Chase Emmons. The only annoying thing is that it seems like when they get inside the 10-yard line, all of a sudden Chase Emmons becomes a thing again. Not really understanding the reasoning on that, but that's what it's been like the past couple of weeks. However, I'm not overly too worried about that. If you want to play Raheem Mostert, in a flex position with some upside, I'm perfectly okay with Raheem Mostert this week. Uh, we got some more questions coming in. I'm going to get to a couple of them, then get back to our outline here. T asked, do I take Olave, Pollard, and Pittman for Kamara and London? So you're, you're just going to trade away Kamara and London to get Olave, Pollard, and Pittman. I will say that's a fair deal. However, you better be loaded at running back if you're going to do that. That would be my my one caveat. Kamara's going to come back with a vengeance, I think, starting this week. So unless you're loaded at the running back position, I probably would not do that deal. Uh, Noah asking me, start Carr or Kyler Murray? That's an easy one. Start Kyler Murray. Don't overthink it. T asked me one more question, T. Wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Kyle Wilson. Uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that deal. You got, yeah, you got Eckler. Try to keep up here. You got Eckler and Etienne Herbert at the running back. You have to keep Alvin Kamara 100%. All right, let's get back to our outline here where we're talking about the lookout for wide receivers. Keep the questions coming in, though. We'll try to get to them throughout the show. I just I let them build up there, so I wanted to get to those. Alan Lazard. Look, Alan Lazard, Alan Lazard and Romeo Dabbs, for that matter. I love them both. I love them both this week. I really do. I know I just talked about, you know, Romeo Dabbs and playing Devonta Smith over him, but listen to the caliber of wide receiver that we were just talking about there. That's where Dobbs is. He's at a wide receiver two location. He's been the number one target. He continues to be the number one target, and he's got the most upside out of any Green Bay Packers wide receiver this year. With Aaron Rodgers, that's saying a lot. 
Al Lazard has his role. He has the outside perimeter. He's going to be a big play in the red zone. He can get 100 yards in a game. We saw that last week. Dobbs is the one, though, where he's going to move all over the field. They'll move him inside. They'll move him outside. He can get touchdowns. He's got a bigger body for it. So Dobbs, I think, is going to be the more important piece here because what's going to happen is when they play teams that have good outside corners, well, they're going to see Lazard. Romeo Dobbs is going to continue to get the mismatches. That's why I think he'll continue to be the number one receiver for this team. And he just might rise and rise and rise from here on. And I, But I love them both, especially this week against the Giants. A lot of people are making too much of the Giants defense right now. And I want to give defensive coordinator Martindale a ton of credit because he sit back and like, look, we're not very talented, but if I just blitz everybody and take the fight to the offense instead of sitting back and being dictated to, we can make things happen. That's what the Giants have been doing, and it's been successful. That gets picked apart when you play against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think they're going to have the same kind of success this week. And as a result, you love both these receivers here. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills receivers not named Stephon Diggs. So we're looking out for Gabriel Davis. We're looking out for Isaiah McKenzie. Now, McKenzie, look, we have to see if he makes it through concussion protocol first for it to matter. Season long, though, you got to love his upside. Jameson Crowder out for the rest of the year. He's already been productive from the slot. I, I, I kept saying in the recap show, the one thing that holds me back is just how much Crowder still plays there. Well, that's not a factor anymore. So when McKenzie is healthy, you're rolling him out there as a wide receiver three boomer bust with upside, especially in that offense. I think you're going to play him more times than not, especially in 12-man leagues. And on the flip side, Gabriel Davis. So it's really funny. This morning, when I'm, you know, I'm finishing my outline and I'm trying to put this whole thing together, and there's a lot of people who are just they're panicked on Gabriel Davis. They're like, oh, I don't know if we could play him. I think I gotta leave him on a bench so he proves himself again. And I was just like, look, he had a good week one. He misses a game because he gets to picks up an ankle injury late. And while he's played the last two weeks, he's re-aggravated the ankle injury. Even though he's out there, he doesn't look like himself. And I was like, and I had in my notes here that if he gets in a full practice this week. I'll really be in on Gabriel Davis. Well, funny enough, he comes out and he gets a full practice in today. So I'm really in on Gabriel Davis against the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Make sure you're locking him into his lineups. I probably will have him once again as a top 24 receiver, or at least in the 24-25-ish range. And then, of course, we get to the Chargers, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer. I'll keep repeating this. If Keenan Allen does not play, Continue to play Josh Palmer. I know he only had the one catch for 25 yards last week. That's how this goes sometimes. Sometimes it'll be a Mike Williams game. Sometimes it'll be a Josh Palmer game when Keenan Allen's out. It's going to go back and forth. This week, I think it could be a Josh Palmer game. Denzel Ward, more likely to see Mike Williams than he will Josh Palmer out there. You're playing him regardless because he's going to catch all those targets with a top quarterback like Justin Herbert. So don't overthink it. Play him if Keenan Allen's out. On the other side of the ball, Amari Cooper. He had two back-to-back 100-yards games. I know last week was a bit of a dud, but some similar things happened last week that happened in week one. It was Donovan Peoples-Jones inexplicably getting targeted a bunch. We've already seen that Jacoby Brissett knows to go to Amari Cooper more times than not. I look for Cooper to get back on track this week. I am plugging and playing him as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I'm not worried about it. We already have the sample size of Brissett getting back to him and getting him the ball and getting him involved. Not going to overreact on Amari Cooper. We got a few more questions in here. Noah asked me, uh, start Russell Wilson or Trevor Lawrence this week. You got to stick with Russell Wilson in the top 10 against the Colts. Although I do like Trevor Lawrence as a streaming option. 
And uh, oh, armchair, uh, armchair athletics hitting some good dobs, catching 79%. Thank you for some of these statistics here. And also next rookie is Olave at 58%. Love it and love both those rookies, by the way. Are all Bills wide receivers boom or bust? Well, no. Uh, Stephon Diggs is as solid as they get. Um, he's the number one wide receiver. So not all of them. Is Gabriel Davis, I can't, Isaiah McKenzie? Eh, to some degree. I do think Gabriel Davis will be consistent once he's fully going. And now that he's back healthy, too, I think he's got a real shot to be more consistent moving forward. Let's get to my lookout for tight ends of this group. So Gerald Everett. The big thing on him is, is Keenan Allen playing or is he not playing? If Keenan Allen's not playing, Gerald Everett belongs in your lineups as a top 12 play. It's really that simple. When Keenan Allen gets back, we'll have to see. And Donald Parham, he is expected to come back this week, but I don't know how much he's going to play his first week back. Remember, he has not been able to practice much or do much with the hamstring injury, and that dates back all the way to the beginning of August. So he's going to take a little bit of time, most likely, to get into game shape. I'm not too worried about Donald Parham this week, maybe not even next week. It's more about Keenan Allen. As Keenan Allen's out. Gerald Everett is a must-play as a top-12 tight end. And David Njoku. So Njoku's actually not practicing today. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury. It doesn't sound like it's a big deal. We'll have to wait and see. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date there. But as long as he's able to go, I you probably have to play him. I don't see how you're going to have a better option, especially with a guy who's played well over the past two weeks. It does come with a little bit of caution on my end, though. What have we seen David Njoku do? We had one game where Harrison Bryant was not involved and David Njoku got the flourish. We had another game where Amari Cooper was not involved and David Njoku got the flourish. What we haven't seen yet is both Harrison Bryant and Amari Cooper be involved and David Njoku do well in that scenario. That's still the ultimate test of what I got to see. If that happens, then he'll be probably a top 12 player for me the rest of the year. Until then, I do have a little bit of caution, but for now... I don't know what you have unless you have a top end tight end. That's going to be a better option off the waiver wire than a David Njoku heading into the week. As long as he's of course healthy before we get into our be cautious of, I think we got one more. Oh, no, we don't. All right, let's go ahead and get to our be cautious of be cautious of be cautious. Of course, of Matt Ryan, we don't really want to play him against Denver. We don't want to play any Giants players not named Saquon Barkley. I don't care what position they play. But the one I actually want to talk about a little bit here is Kenny Pickett. So a lot of excitement about Kenny Pickett. Rushes in two touchdowns last week. Takes over. And look, overall, there's no doubt about it. This is an improvement for the Steelers offense. Why? Because I, I couldn't get much worse than Mitchell Trubisky. I thought, I thought it couldn't get worse than Ben Roethlisberger last season. I was wrong. Mitch is that bad. I didn't think it could be possible, but it is. So, yes, Kenny Pickett being out there, people are worried about, you know, Deontay Johnson's, his upside. Uh, they're worried about, you know, what does this do with Najee Harris? Is Kenny Pickett going to drop the ball down? Is he now going to rush for touchdowns? Overall, this is an improvement for the offense. Therefore, it'll be improvement for those guys eventually. So I'm not worried about it at all. But I do want to talk about this from the standpoint with Kenny Pickett. He's a guy that will be good to stream at some point this season. But people are getting wrapped up in Kenny Pickett this week. He's playing Buffalo. He's a rookie quarterback playing Buffalo. Let's not get overly excited about it this week, please. So stop with the Kenny Pickett questions of who I should I start him over, you know, Aaron Rodgers or whatever. 
Let's talk about it next week. All right, let's not do it against Buffalo. Other be cautious of players is, uh, well, tight ends. Colts tight ends. I wish I could pick one because if you get the right one, he's getting two touchdowns apparently that game. Uh, but you can't pick the right one. So we have to avoid all of them, unfortunately. And Dawson Knox. I'm just going to keep putting his name out there because I get, I get questions asked about him all the time. I won't leave him out the, off the, uh, the outline, but I can't because I keep getting asked Dawson Knox questions. Look, it's done. It's over. If he's not getting featured as a red zone weapon, he doesn't have value. Sorry. I know they paid him. Doesn't matter. When you have, maybe if Isaiah McKenzie misses this game, Dawson Knox have a little bit more value in that scenario. But even then, this game, this Josh Allen, this offense, it's built around getting the ball out to the wide receivers. It's Ken Dorsey. It's Miami all over again. That's what we're seeing. So not really going that route either. That's going to do it for our first four matchups for today's show. What I want to do now, take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I got four more matchups to talk about with the look ahead Wednesday, the first half fantasy football preview of week five. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on YouTube. Also on bellyup.tv. Download us on the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. And check out the Belly Up Sports TV category. Or just stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. We're talking about the first half of games for the Week 5 Fantasy Football Preview. Talk about our first four matchups. Our next four for this segment are going to be the Bears against the Vikings, the Lions against the Patriots, the Seahawks against the Saints, and the Dolphins against the Jets. So let's get into it with our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Not an obvious starter quarterback, so we can skip right to the running back, which is Dalvin Cook. Yes, Dalvin Cook is an obvious starter. I know it's been a little rough. He's been a buy low candidate for me for that very, very reason. 
I want to add a quick tidbit before I get into Dalvin Cook because I was asked this question earlier this week by somebody on social media, at Show, And they were asking me, okay, now that Dalvin Cook is cleared, can I drop Alexander Madison for X, Y, and Z player? And I didn't even read who the players were you're trying to drop him for because I was like, no, stop it. This is why every waiver wire Tuesday, I got to talk about Alexander Madison being less than 50%. Oh, which drives me crazy when you so rarely can get a one-for-one handcuff for your top elite running back. And Alexander Madison is that. Why is he not rostered if you have Dalvin Cook? That's a necessity. You want to protect your investment. Talk about Jonathan Taylor earlier tonight. He doesn't have a one-for-one handcuff. That's what makes it so hard to figure out where's the value at, who should I play, should I even bother? It's not a question when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. So pick up Alexander Madison if you have Dalvin Cook. But getting back to Dalvin Cook being an obvious starter, playing Chicago. Look, this game could go a whole bunch of ways. They could decide to get Kirk Cousins going and get the pass attack flowing. Or, and I think it's more likely, they decide to take this opportunity against Chicago, who can't really put up anything offensively anyway, so they're not really in danger there, of getting Dalvin Cook going this season and reestablishing the run and trying to get play action going. It's a good game. It's kind of like a practice game. It's basically what it is. It's kind of like a practice game here against Chicago that they get to have. That's why we love Dalvin Cook this week. Oh, I love Justin Jefferson, too. He'll get his. Don't worry. But I also love Tyreek Hill. So when Teddy Bridgewater came in, we saw Jalen Waddle suffer, but we didn't see Tyreek Hill suffer. (laughs) That dude, it doesn't matter because every time he touches the ball, he can take it to the house. Bridgewater has a history of locking into his number one wide receiver. So I might be a little bit worried about Jalen Waddle, and we'll talk about that later. But when it comes to Tyreek Hill, I have absolutely no concerns about him being a top eight wide receiver again this week. I don't have any other obvious starters. That's it for these matchups, actually. So let's hit the lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. Skipping it right ahead again to the running backs. And I got Herbert slash Montgomery here. It's you want to play a Bears, you want to lock in a Bears running back. Whether you know David Montgomery makes a miraculous comeback and, and plays this week, or if that is Khalil Herbert, either way, you love the match against Minnesota and kind of like the Bears, but maybe to a slightly less degree. The only offense they got going is from their running back position. That's it. Justin Fields threw a whopping season high 22 times last week. <laughs> oh man, Darnell Mooney actually looked like he had a pulse on 22 attempts. Yeah, look, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Justin Fields is that bad or this coaching staff that I had a lot of questions about to begin with are just proving to be incompetent. Whatever the case may be, the only production to be had is in the backfield, and I am locking in whether it's Khalil Herbert or David Montgomery this week. You're also re-locking in in Jamal Williams. Oh, man. Jamal Williams, like, did he find the fountain of youth? Like, he's always been a good handcuff and a good solid back, but... I didn't know he could run like that, like he did last week. I didn't know he had it in him anymore. He's already been getting a crazy amount of touchdowns. You like the matchup here against the Patriots. They're going to have to lean on Jamal Williams to be a significant part of their offense yet again heading into the bye week because we don't expect DeAndre Swift to be out there. He's a top 12 running back, and there's no doubt about it. He has to be in your lineups. Lock him in, Patriot running backs. So that's both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Whether Mac Jones plays or not, it's neither here nor there. If he does play, okay, he can't move, so they have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. How do you do that? Well, short passing game, dump downs to the running backs, or you just hand the ball off. 
The running backs are the engine of this offense, and I love the matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. Both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson will be top 24 running backs for me this week. Both have to be in your lineups. Alvin Kamara, lock him in. I wanted to make him an obvious starter, but after last week and the fact that he hasn't been that healthy, I felt like I kind of had I had to knock him down a category. I had to put him in the lock him in territory. Still going to be a top 10 guy, most likely in my rankings. You're playing against a great matchup here, <laughs> like against Seattle. Got to love it. And I, I messed up the, the Patriot game. I, sorry for that. I, I, the Patriots are, are playing. Um, now, I'm, now, of course, you know, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> God, the, the Saints are playing the Seahawks. So that's what's important there. You love the matchup. Al Kamara said today he's 100% healthy. He feels like he's definitely back. He's going to be the man. And with Andy Dalton out of the way, Patriots playing the Lions. Just as good of a matchup for the running backs, by the way. I'm sorry I drew the blank on there. With Andy Dalton being likely the quarterback, it actually might pave the way for Alvin Kamara to be a better fantasy back. Andy Dalton likes to check the ball down more if he has the opportunity to do so. We still might not have Michael Thomas. We still might not have Jarvis Landry. He's still banged up and not really himself. So it might be Olave and then check down City to Alvin Kamara. That's what we're probably looking at. That's what I like here. So I think Kamara gets back on track in a big way this week, and that's why I'm locking him into my lineup. On the receivers, I do have St. Brown on the list. Obviously, it's only if he plays. If he plays, you don't question it. You play him, and you call it a day. Same thing would go for Michael Thomas, but we're a little bit less uh, optimistic that he's going to be able to go out there. But Chris Olave... I don't care if Dalton's the quarterback or if Winston's the quarterback. I don't care if Michael Thomas is out there or not. Chris Olave is the number one wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints. With all the targets he's been getting, he's been capitalizing. He's a guy, a guy in the red zone. He can hit the big play. That's why I would like Jameis Winston more. So it's, it's weird. It's like depends on who you have for the Saints team. If you have Kamara, you probably would rather have Andy Dalton because he's more likely to check the ball down. If you have Chris Olave then you probably want Jameis Winston because he's going to give him more shots down the field and hit those big games. But he still has a safe floor with Andy Dalton. If you're like me and you got both Olave and Kamara, you just want to pull your hair out and hope for the best. But you love the matchup here at any rate, and you love the lock-in Olave. And TJ Hawkinson, I know he came up with a hip injury today. There doesn't seem to be much concern about it. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I'll make sure I bring it up to Brian, and we'll talk about it then. But assuming TJ Hawkinson plays... Obviously, you got to lock him into your lineups. Now, don't expect, obviously, you know, eight catches, 179 yards, two touchdowns. But the reason I made him a top five tight end heading into the game last week is the same reason I'm going to do it again this week. If St. Brown can't go, Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark are banged up or not 100%, DJ Chark in particular, they got to lean on somebody to catch the ball. That's TJ Hawkinson. Patriots been pretty good against, or have been pretty bad, I should say. It's a pretty good matchup against the tight end position. Got to love TJ Hawkinson this week. Let's hit our lookout for. Lookout for. This is where this list gets extensive when it comes to these matchups. So before I get into it, uh, I got a question here I want to get to. Anton, pick two, one for running back, one for flex. Dobbins, Godwin, London, Dobbs, and Pierce. Some really, really, really good options there, Anton. Really kind of hard to pick from. I would say this. 
I'm going to assume this is half point PPR because that's what I do my rankings off of anyway. I want Godwin in my lineup, and I want Drake London in my lineup at all costs. Drake London, look, he's been super consistent no matter what's going on with Atlanta. And Chris Godwin looked good last week, and he's going to have the mismatch. A.G. Terrell, he's going to be matched up on Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, he gets to be matched up on the Achilles heel, or one of many of the Atlanta defense, but the Achilles heel being the slot position. He's going to take advantage of that. So that is the right direction I would go with that, Anton. And one more question before we get into our lookout for players. Vision, I have Hollywood Brown, Amazon, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Brees Hall, all in the wide receiver, running back flex starting. And the bench, he has Dobbs and Michael Thomas. What do I do with all them being questionable in the situation? Do I drop one? I don't know why you drop one. Uh, Hall's going to play. Hollywood Brown is likely to play too. The foot, the foot thing that he's dealing with now is something he was already kind of dealing with. We're not really worried about him. And Romeo is going to be able to be out there. So you're got, you got your bases covered. Uh, I don't think you need to drop anybody to make room just in, just in case. Follow us on social media. We'll keep you up to date if anything changes. But as of right now, I think you should be just fine. All right, so getting to our lookout for players for these matchups. Top of my list at the quarterback position, it's Kirk Cousins. I'm with you guys on Kirk Cousins. I have Kirk Cousins in quite a few leagues because he was that guy that I wanted to draft late that I thought could be a top 12 quarterback. And I still think that has a good possibility of happening when the offense of the Minnesota Vikings gets clicking at some point this season. It's a weird conundrum I find myself in when, when ranking and projecting Kirk Cousins this week against Chicago. Kind of outlined it in the Dalvin Cook discussion. It could be a Dalvin Cook day, or they could decide to get the passing game going, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Here's what I do know. Cousins has a high floor this week against Chicago. He has a top 12 or at least a top 15 streaming floor. So if you had Kirk Cousins and you've been waiting to play him and you've been kind of in that territory of quarterback to begin with, low-end QB1, high-end QB2, you play him this week, I wouldn't necessarily lick my chops because Chicago just has no offense. Now, if Chicago can make this a game, then look out Kirk Cousins. But because I don't think they can, because they haven't shown it to this point, I don't know if I'm counting on Kirk Cousins to have a huge game this week, but I do think he has a high floor. Jared Goff and Geno Smith. So I'm going to lump them into the same conversation here. Everyone loves them. They're the darlings of fantasy football right now. They had a big shootout game, the shootout of the year, last week between the two of them. You know who they don't play? They don't play each other again in week five. And that's part of the problem. The Patriots are a good defense. So I'm not expecting Jared Goff, who's not going to have DeAndre Swift, may not have St. Brown, and a slew of other banged-up weapons to somehow find a way to do what he did last week or has been doing a few games this season. Same thing goes for Geno Smith. The Saints defense is good. I don't expect him to just be able to throw the ball up to DK Metcalf when he's guarded by Marshawn Lattimore and just go off and catch the ball. And Geno Smith in particular, like Jared Goff, we've seen success from before. Geno Smith in particular is playing over his head. If you want to sit there and think to yourself that Geno might actually be a top 12 quarterback for the rest of the season, I'm telling you, you're delusional. It's not who he is. So don't get swept up in the hype. Let's move on. From, oh, and as far as this week, no, I, am, I don't have them as streaming options this week either because of their matchups and their predicaments with Goff in particular with the injuries. Uh, I did have Winston on this list. You can say Winston slash Andy Dalton. If Winston were to play, 
I did like him as a streaming option because he'll take shots and it's a good matchup to do that. If it's Andy Dalton, then, you know, when it's not really a streaming option here, he's just there to hold down the fort. And then Teddy Bridgewater. So there's a lot of questions this week about can Teddy Bridgewater be a streaming quarterback against the Jets? And I guess in some leagues, 12-man leagues, if you really desperate a quarterback, I don't think he'll be bad. I think there's a floor that definitely comes with Teddy Bridgewater and the weapons on this offense in a matchup against the Jets. But this is also a guy that, you know, he just as likely could throw for less than 200 yards. He's not going to take risks unless absolutely forced to do so. He's there to try to hold down the fort until they get back to Tua Tagalavoa. Can Tyreek Hill, you know, Tyreek Hill in combination with Jalen Waddle, can they catch one of his bubble screens, one of his slants, take it to the house? Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it. That's why he can at least be in the conversation. But I'm taking guys who have much higher upside this week than I would go with the Teddy Bridgewater. We got another question coming in from Vizian. One more question. Is Khalil Herbert a sell high if David Montgomery comes back? Well, the only person you could sell him high to would be the David Montgomery owner if David Montgomery is back. The better question is, is Herbert a sell high if David Montgomery does not come back? And the answer probably is roughly the same. I mean, maybe you get somebody, if they're 1-3, and 0-4 oh right now, they're desperate for a win. David Montgomery's going to be out. You hand him Cleo Herbert, who has you know a high-end RB2 floor. Maybe you get somebody in that scenario and that scenario only. But likely, either way, if you're looking to sell Herbert, you're looking to sell him to the David Montgomery owner. If you are the David Montgomery owner, then you should not be trying to sell Cleo Herbert. That would be my overall advice as far as that goes. Let's get into the running backs that I'm looking out for. So Rashad Penny looks like his late season league winning self last week. And everybody went bananas and rightfully so. The big thing they did, I talked about in the recap show. You can go back and watch that on our YouTube channel. They didn't, they didn't try to work in DJ Dallas for no reason, thankfully. I, I don't know what Pete Carroll was doing. He had the Travis Homer thing going on for a couple of weeks, and then he went out. DJ Dallas, week three, was like involved in a three-man rotation that made no sense. Last week, it was Rashad Penny, and then Kenneth Walker was just the backup. That's how it should be until Kenneth Walker is ready to take over or ready to get more involved. But all that work, and this is the problem with Rashad Penny, came in knocking. He's already mispracticed today. Now, it didn't seem like there was an abundant amount of concern, but they did list Rashad Penny with a shoulder injury, and he's out of practice. Now, it's only a Wednesday practice. So I'm not going to panic or anything like that, but it just, just goes to the point. When Rashad Penny gets too much work, he gets hurt. He's a brutal, he's a brittle guy, unfortunately. He's a big guy. He wouldn't, doesn't look brittle, but to NFL standards, I guess he is because this always seems to happen with him. This is why Kenneth Walker is such a high-end value stash and handcuff but it's also why I don't ultimately trust Rajad Penny on any given week. I especially don't like him against the Saints this week. Will he be my RB3 conversation? Yeah, because he's a running back getting 15-plus touches. So he kind of has to be. But he's not a must-start. He's not going to be in my top 24. And there's a lot of receivers who I would play over him in the flex position this week. I'm not getting swept up in the high-end production that we got a week ago. We do have another question coming in real quick. Alex? Who should I put on my flex? Isaiah McKenzie, Alec Pierce, Zay Jones, or Tyler Algier from the Falcons, and also David Njoku? Well, the easy answer is if Isaiah McKenzie plays, then it's Isaiah McKenzie. If he does not play, then for me in the flex, it would be 
uh, Zay Taylor this week. I, I don't like Tyler Algier against Tampa Bay. Get, sticking with the running back conversation, talk about the Dolphins, Raheem Moster. I kind of talked about this earlier because we had a question, but I do have Moster. I have to see exactly what I'm going to have him come in at after tonight. He might be that top 24 area for me. At the very least, he's going to be a high-end flex play with big play potential. Now that we know that he's taken over this backfield as far as being the lead ball carrier, you really kind of like the juicy matchup here this week. He hasn't gone off. And again, with Teddy Bridgewater quarterback, they're just more likely to have him, you know, be more involved and take some of the pressure off. So I do like where he mostered this week. And on the flip side of that, talking about the Jets running backs, Brees Hall's a little bit banged up, uh, but I they don't seem too worried about him not being able to play this upcoming Sunday. And he did exactly what I expected him to do. Zach Wilson came in. What did they do? They went back to being a more balanced team. And by being a more balanced team, that led them to giving the ball more to Brees Hall, who's better suited for that role. This is how the offense wants to go. This is why I didn't have Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin. I had none of them in must-start territory in my rankings. We saw Zach Wilson divvy out the ball to everybody involved evenly and not to the extent of the volume that Joe Flacco is getting. And we saw Brees Hall get 17 carries. I think that's how the offense wants to go. So I love Brees Hall as a buy low, and I think this will be the last week you can buy low on him. He's the guy you want to play. Michael Carter's not shop liver, but I'm only contemplating him in PPR leagues, and even then, he's probably not on my starting lineup, but I am keeping him on my roster because there's still some upside if Brees Hall gets hurt, and he's also one for one handcuffed in that scenario too. Let's talk about the wide receivers. So we got Adam Thielen, who's been pretty good the past couple of weeks, right? And now we got the scenario where, okay, we had one game where Justin Jefferson did absolutely nothing. And Adam Thielen had a nice game. So we're like, okay, well, maybe I would expect that. If Jefferson, you know, not involved, then they had to pivot to somebody. It would make sense to be Adam Thielen. Okay. But then we had last week, Justin Jefferson goes off. Adam Thielen quietly still picks up a nine-target, seven-catch performance. He didn't even score a touchdown. So this is the key here. If they're going to consolidate, and it looks like they they are around these two players, then Adam Thielen is going to have more of a floor than I was anticipating coming into the season and is not totally going to be dependent on touchdowns because K.J. Osborne is not really getting involved. And as long as Justin Jefferson is actually part of the game plan, it seems like Irv Smith isn't really getting involved either. So it's going to be hit or miss with those two players. If it's going to be more consolidated around Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, Thielen's stock is going to start to rise a little bit, at least what he's able to give you. So that's the good news on Adam Thielen, and he would be in my lineups this week. Josh Reynolds, I just have my lookout for. this. You're just watching the practice reports. St. Brown doesn't go. DJ Chark looks like he's banged up again. I know Reynolds has an injury of his own right now. They seem less concerned about that. Somebody, if, if somebody gets narrowed down to the number one receiver, Detroit, that player has some flex appeal. So just kind of watch the practice reports when it comes to that. And then Seattle receivers, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I kind of talked about this a little bit when I talked about Geno. I'm not falling over myself. Neither one of these guys are going to be my top 24. Just because of the performance last week, that does not mean DK Metcalf is now a bona fide wide receiver to lock him in your lineups every single week. I don't like the match because Marshawn Lattimore here, but they are both going to be in my top 36. You are going to be able to contemplate him as that wide receiver three, as that flex play, depending upon how your league format is set up. 
Lockett is the safer bet, though. DK Metcalf, we know what he can do. We know he's a monster. I get it. But if he's going to be locked up on Lattimore, Lockett's been consistent for three weeks in a row now. And he's going to get the better matchup. He's going to be a necessity to Geno Smith to have a safety blanket in this game against New Orleans Saints. And with that defensive matchup, look for Tyler Lockett to have another safe, good game. And I'm making sure I have him in my lineup with DK Metcalf being more the boom-bust play. Speaking of boom-bust, Jalen Waddle. Now, here's the thing with Waddle. I don't know how banged up he is. Last week, he got taken off the injury report right before the game. But then that was with a groin issue. He had a groin issue again today, which is why he didn't practice. Maybe it's not a big deal as far as his availability on Sunday. But even if he's a little banged up with the mixture of it being Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position, Jalen Waddle starts to slip down to that. Mm, might be more of a flex play decision, not necessarily locking you into my lineup. It's against the Jets, so it's going to be really hard to not have him in there. But just a little, little word of caution, depending upon what options you have available to you this given week. And then we have the, the annoyingness that is the Jets receiver, the very talented room, but just very hard to predict and project. Now is Zach Wilson at the quarterback position, and now at the team dialing back some of the pass attempts. It's still a wait and hold for me. I'm still going to try to not play them if I have the opportunity to do so, especially against the Miami Dolphins. Still holding Elijah Moore. Still holding Garrett Wilson. Corey Davis probably needs to be rostered. But this is the issue with Zach Wilson. Until we see some continuity happen between him and those receivers and which ones winds up being his favorite guys, it was going to get evenly distributed out. I have to go with games that the Jets are getting blown out and the volume will be there. Well, because Teddy Bridgewater's the quarterback this week, I don't know if the Jets get blown out this week. I think this actually might be a pretty competitive week. So I'm not necessarily buying that he throws it 40, 50 times, which I think is what he needs to do to have the confidence to play any one of these guys until someone emerges. I think that will be Elijah Moore, most likely, just because of what they were able to do last season. But until that point, they are high-end, valuable plays on your bench rather than your starting lineup. And the same thing can be said for Tyler Conklin. He was just as much in the mix as those other wide receivers. So let's have, go ahead and talk about our Be Cautious of the week. Be Cautious of? <laughs> Justin Fields. So remember the draft process when I said I had Justin Fields low, I had him outside my top 18, but I had a little caveat, which was, well, if he rushes 100 times, it's hard to keep quarterbacks rush that much out. Well, <laughs> it's not going to be hard. He can run as much as he wants to. If he's only throwing the ball 20 times a game, there ain't much to be had here. It's really a shame. I, I don't know if it's his fault, the coaching staff's fault, maybe a mixture of both, whatever the case may be, but it's starting to look like Justin Fields might not even be the starting quarterback of the Bears next year. What about the wide receivers? Be cautious of. How about Darnell Mooney? Second with the Bears. All of his production came off of a 50-yard bomb last week. If you're thinking to yourself because you've been desperate for Darnell Mooney to show a sign of life, you're like, oh, he, sh he showed something. He had a heartbeat last week. I mean, can I play him this week? I've seen lineups out there who have him as a wide receiver three this week. Don't do it. Why do that to yourself? Are you trying to make yourself crazy? Are you trying to make yourself hate this game of fantasy football? Just let's not. Let's not do that. Mooney, actually, I, I'm still on the on the side of he doesn't need to be rostered in 12 or 10-man leagues. So let's just keep that there. And Patriot receivers. Now, this was more of a case where I thought for sure that Bailey Zappi was going to be the quarterback heading into the week. If Mac Jones plays, 
I will be shifting my rankings, and I'm very interested in Devontae Parker if that would happen, or Jacoby Myers if he's able to suit up this week too. But if it is Bailey Zappi, I am not playing a Patriots receiver or pass catcher for that matter because Hunter Henry gets a little more interesting now. Janu Smith is out. If Mac Jones goes, he actually could be a sneaky, I like him better in DFS, but he could be a sneaky stream play as well. If it's just him, that's been the problem this year, is that because they're splitting between the two and the offensive has been so bad, you haven't been able to play either one of them. If it's just him, I do have some interest if it's Mac Jones at the quarterback position. Not playing Cole Komet, and we're not playing Irv Smith. So that does it for our look ahead Wednesday. Let's get into the mailbag segment where we get to bring the lovely intern Danielle back into the program. Danielle, how is it going back there in the green room? Oh, it's great. I had so much to say when you were talking about the Patriots. <laughs> As you usually do, I'm sure. Go ahead. Give me a couple quick tidbits of what you had in your mind. Um, I love Bailey Zappi, first of all. <laughs> um, and I don't think Mac Jones should play this week at all. Uh, I think he needs time to heal, and putting him out there this week would be absolutely stupid, and he would be forced to have surgery if he plays this week. Well, that is definitely the smart Patriot fan take to have when it comes to Mac Jones. Let's see if that winds up actually being the case, though. Uh, you want to hit the mailbag segment for me? The mail's here. Now, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do, go to social media, at BillyUpMDFFShow. Ask me a question. I'll pull out some of my favorite ones and put them on the show. And, of course, you know, like we've been doing all night, if you ask questions during the show, I will try to get to them as I can. But let's hit our first question tonight. So our first question is from Cabbage4. Great name. Yeah. And Cabbage4 asks, should I trade D-Hop for David Njoku and Darren Waller? Well, it's actually, it's D-Hop and David Njoku for Darren Waller. Oh, whoops. Um, no, you're good. It's uh, it's a no for me. So the thing about Darren Waller right now is that because he's second fiddle to Devontae Adams, we're going to get more hit or miss games than we're used to having. Waller's still going to be a top five tight end for me. But because David Njoku's a top 12, maybe even a top 10 guy, depending upon if his success continues, and you have D-Hop, who... I think should be at least a mid to high end wide receiver two upon his return. Maybe the wide receiver one ceilings, not really in his range of outcomes anymore at this, at this point in his career, we'll have to see, but those two combinations, I probably hold off on a Darren Waller. Now, if you could pull that trade off for a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, then we're having a completely different conversation, but for Darren Waller, I'm probably holding off. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, I agree. And especially trading D-Hop now after your four games already done in the season, he comes back week six from his suspension. It would be kind of useless to have him on your bench all this time just to get rid of him. So I think he has a lot of good potential this year, and I think he'll be fired up because the Cardinals have not been doing well. So I think he's going to want to kind of come out with fire this year, and I think that could be something dangerous for fantasy. Excellent points. Excellent points. What's our next question? Clark asked, stream Jared Goff or Trevor Lawrence this week? Yeah, this is, a, this is a type of question I've been getting very consistently this week, and people have been surprised by my answer, and it's been Trevor Lawrence. Playing Houston, the offense has looked really good for Jacksonville. Christian Kirk's been awesome with the way he's been featured, and it's given Trevor Lawrence that floor. He gets Zay Jones back this week, too. And Houston, to their credit, have done a pretty good job 
keeping these games competitive enough where teams still have to throw. They can't just run the ball, run the clock out on them. So it might not be just James Robinson in the fourth quarter. Jacksonville still might need to actually, you know, move the ball and throw the ball. So I like Trevor Lawrence a lot this week. Jared Goff comes back down to reality a bit, I believe, against the Patriots this week, especially if he doesn't have his weapons out there. What happened last week was a fantastic, fun-to-watch anomaly and nothing more. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, that's definitely not going to be the Lions uh, every single Sunday routine by any means. We all know the type of quarterback that Jared Goff is. He's not one to get you those high points every single week. If he has those once in a while, great for him, but that's not very common for him. Trevor Lawrence have look, has looked great this season. The Jags are actually a team that look kind of competitive in the NFL this year, which is really exciting to see. They have a great offense, so I think Trevor's a pretty solid lock for me. Yeah, the Jaguars have come a long, long way. Urban Meyer feels like a lifetime ago at this point. That that's how that's how far away they've come, which is a big credit to Doug Peterson. But what's our last question? Our last question is from Craig, and Craig asks, "Should I flex James Robinson or Brandon Cooks in PPR?" Yeah, so it's it's James Robinson because he's he's playing Houston, um, and the thing about Jacksonville right now is that their secondary, at least, is actually pretty decent. It's not an easy matchup. I still think Brian Cooks has a nice game here, but Robinson very easily could go for 100 yards and a touchdown in this matchup. I'm not missing out on that. So it would be James Robinson for me. Yeah, I agree. We just talked about how great the Jacksonville offense is, and James Robinson has been an awesome part of that. So I definitely, I think both are pretty solid options. I think both will get you pretty like average amounts of points, but... All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern with the Clairvoyant Thursday as we look into the future with our second half fantasy football preview for week five. Make sure you guys check that out and also make sure you come back on Friday at the same time when we have Chaz Florida come back, talk a little DFS, talk about our picks of the week and talk about our October giveaway, the Jameson Williams signed Alabama jersey for the DFS contest and the Flex Fantasy head-to-head challenges so make sure you're checking that out as well download us on your favorite podcast app download the foxy network on your tv devices and subscribe to our youtube channel and guys have a wonderful evening we'll see you tomorrow night mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner